Welcome to the Fertilizer Analytics podcast series. And today we turn to the phosphate markets. Phosphates are no different to the other fertilizer markets we cover in that there's so much volatility and change. And so very glad to have Clara Lloyd join us today to share her thoughts. Many of you know Clara, but if you don't know her, she heads up our process phosphate and phosphate rock analytics, which is where we publish our short, medium and long-term forecasts. She's also got a background in sulfur market reporting, which gives her great overall view of the drivers of, of phosphate prices in the phosphate market. So, Clara, welcome to the podcast today. How are you? Hey, Tim. Yep, good to be back once again. I am well. It's getting colder as it's getting to the winter now, but um, no, I'm very well indeed. So we're recording this podcast across continents. You, you're in the UK, I'm in South Africa, and uh, that's the nature of global fertilizer business. So we're going to make our best go at doing this podcast on a long distance basis, but really looking forward to talking because there's so much interest in what's happening in phosphates. You've been mentioning that customers are reaching out to you on a daily basis to get your reaction to things that are going on in the business. And uh, I think it's a prime time to be asking you and getting into your head about how you think things will develop in phosphates. So let's get straight into the topic. I thought we'd start with China because you can't really start anywhere else in phosphates at the moment. I think almost every question must connect back to what the implications are of the, the export restrictions from China. So I think we'll spend a fair amount of time on that, if that's okay with you. And I guess the real question is, what are those implications for different importing markets in particular? And the big one would be India. First of all, just tell us the latest on, on the Chinese export restrictions, and then maybe what that means for India and in the Indian context with you know, Indian requirements still being quite substantial, I think, and subsidy changes in India to react to prices. Let's start there. India and the Chinese impact. How do you see that? So when it comes to China, I think just maybe a very brief couple of sentences on how we've got to this position. So as we know, we talked about this, I think, in our last podcast. Back in June, there were many discussions and much conversation about the potential of an export duty being imposed. And we, we had dismissed that as an option just because of what it's done in the past and how it worked then. We then waited a long time till September. And in September, the NDRC, China's Economic Planning Agency, made several announcements about the importance of supplying the domestic fertilizer market in China. There were lots of concerns about energy restrictions impacting Chinese production. There were lots of concerns about environmental inspections doing exactly the same thing. So we went through a lot of prompting and a lot of iterations of shall we say, emphasis on putting China first on the domestic side, on domestic production. But we came to really early October, and that was when we started to hear a bit more sort of the solid expectation of what was going to happen. And this really came in the form in the end of inspections on export cargoes of not only phosphates, but other fertilisers. But for us, obviously, it's the phosphate side that's important. And these inspections started on the 15th of October. And still, there is not 100% clarification on this inspection process and we are what three weeks on now yeah 3rd of November that is where we are there are export inspections for phosphate cargoes from China to anywhere in the world as of the 15th of October and this is really limiting what we are seeing coming out I mean talking to my colleagues in our offices in Asia and also my colleagues in editorial and we haven't actually necessarily seen a cargo clear these inspections processes since the 15th of October and we also haven't really seen Many Chinese suppliers, be they producers or traders, offer anything really to the market. And obviously, India is where 
the big impact in the most near term market is being seen. As we've spoken about before as well on these podcasts, India has been in a lot of trouble this year with its affordability of phosphates. Um, the MRP, the maximum retail price and the NBS, the nutrient based subsidy, have not necessarily been that friendly in allowing imports or high levels of domestic DAP production to meet the agricultural needs this agricultural year, which finishes in March next year. And so India has been lagging and lagging quite severely in domestic production and also in imports. Panic obviously arose across much of the world as the Chinese story has evolved and India is not an exception. But the Indian government have put forward now a boost to the subsidy, shall we say, temporary knock up in the subsidy, which is allowing just over $100 CFR equivalent to be added to the subsidy basis. So this was to spur on increase in domestic production and also increase imports. And there was a call from the Indian government for over 1.3 million tonnes of DAP to be lined up for November delivery. I mean, we have seen a pickup in November shipments for India, but obviously this is partly because October deliveries were delayed. But we have seen a bit of a boost in Indian buying. And even in the last 24 hours, it's been blowing my mind slowly but surely that you know, we've had prices um, you know, of, a, of a Jordanian cargo and a Saudi cargo going to India, which is over 800 CFR. But this is still falling in the unaffordable level, even though there has been this subsidy boost. It's not really enough. And there has been a lot of discussion of you know, too little, too late for the Indian market. And potentially now it will trickle down to farmers. So the short term Indian market is you know, not the most affordable place, be it for importers, be it for producers, be it for farmers. And also we may really see that a bigger deficit or still a deficit as we were expecting all along. And it is because now exacerbated by the situation in China where exports are very, very restricted. I've been watching those prices like you have, I'm sure. I find it very useful to have our daily assessments of phosphate prices, including our um, India CFR price, you know, are fully assessed daily price and I know the market's been using that information very clearly you know, following those prices very closely given the, the, the level of change every day in some cases. So you've described that India situation which leaves some uncertainty but also room for further demand based on how the subsidy issue is handled. What about elsewhere in, in, in South Asia? What about Pakistan in terms of the import requirements there and, and how that market's responding to the Chinese restriction? So Pakistan is is one of those places which actually, I say actually, very tentatively, in this situation, which could be left in the near term unscathed. Pakistan, you know, when we look at typically imports, you know, 1.8 million tonnes of DAP a year. And China has been a huge supplier of this product. But Pakistan this year as I said, may not suffer as badly in the near term. So, you know, with the rest of the rabi season, the rest of the agricultural imports needed for this year as other places. And that's because Pakistan has had um, a high sort of leftover volume from its Karif stocks, be it imports and domestic production. And because prices have increased on the domestic market and international market, farmer offtake has been much reduced. So these guys in the short term could actually potentially be okay you know, not have to worry about the lack of Chinese availability. We're not saying we're not going to see Pakistani importers dip into the market for opportunistic cargoes. You know, it is only the 3rd of November and we usually do see that. But Pakistan could be one of those places that has the inventory, the availability, sort of the current market situation on the supply demand balance where it will be all right. Again, it is for them, I think, going to be that longer view picture when they start to look towards purchasing for Karif next year. 
And at the moment, you know, these Chinese export restrictions, there are expectations or formal expectations. They could last until June next year. So if that is the case, it's next year's agricultural year where Pakistan could be finding the difficulty more than this year. But again, there are so many questions on the length of these export restrictions up in the air and that we are maybe taking a slightly more pessimistic view, saying that we will think there will be trouble. They will be extended. They will be that long. But yet near term, Pakistan for the rest of this year, at least, and obviously the low season for them in the first quarter, they could be one of the ones that, that could be OK. So they might be able to weather these these record high prices and then just hold nerve until until there's more availability into the new year. How about Australia? Talking about a southern hemisphere market, Australia relies a lot on Chinese exports for their phosphate requirements. How are they placed? Are they, uh, have they got their inventories in, you know, in place? Are they, are they well supplied or are they going to be potentially in trouble? So, yeah, we are now in sort of, you know, Q4, Q1 peak buying season for, for the Australian markets for both DAP and MAP. And surprisingly, because of geography and position in the world, China has been you know, a very important supplier to the Australian market, particularly in about 2017, 2018. We've noticed that China has become a more prominent player in that market. But Australia, I think, have been a little bit, um, should we say, savvy this year so far when we're looking at things. And obviously, as I mentioned earlier, these potential disruptions to Chinese exports have been discussed since the middle of this year. And Australia started buying for their season very early on. We saw cargoes being picked up in August, September from China for delivery to Australia ready for this season. So they have been you know, ahead of schedule. They have been hedging bets with the prompting supply concerns from China. But that doesn't mean that they have been left unscathed from these price increases. We've seen Australia in the last couple of weeks to Morocco for map purchases. And it's the freight factor we've got to bring in there. I mean, when you consider diversification of supply has been a hot topic in the phosphates market this year, partly because of COVID and obviously because of the US import duties um, on Russian and Moroccan phosphates. So we have seen that this has been a trend that so it's not necessarily that easy to diversify your supply when everyone else is. But the factor with Australia to consider is freight. I mean, freight's been on an incredibly firm footing all year. There's little expectation that this will wane this year and even into early next year. And one of the cargoes Australia purchased from Morocco you know, had freight of over $150 for three port discharge. So Australia, whilst it was very savvy in purchasing cargoes earlier in the year and ahead of its schedule, what we're looking at now is they're having to look further afield. And Morocco to Australia is not a short route. So whilst prices are firming on that FOB basis that they have to contend with. There's also that freight implication, which is there. As I said, while diversification of supply is an option for guys who do rely on China, there are these other factors to consider as well, and freight being a huge one of them, particularly, it seems, for Australia at the moment. Yeah, that is that double whammy of, of surging FOB prices and, and the tightness in, in dry bulk freight, which is affecting markets that have those long journey times. You mentioned OCP Morocco. Let's look Western Morocco. And into Brazil, MAP prices into Brazil have gone up above $800 and uh, similar firmness there. Where's Brazil placed for its sourcing in terms of securing tonnage? Where do you see them in terms of buying? Brazil, I think, is a bit of a conundrum at the moment where they've got a big decisions to make. Obviously, this year we've been seeing Brazil have record high prices for MAP almost daily, it feels like, um, when looking at the market. And obviously, Safra started in September 
they had plenty of imports. They had been diversifying their supply, but not just from ge the geographical locations, but the actual form of P205 with superphosphate playing a bigger part of the Brazil lineup this year because MAP prices had been, as I said, practically new daily records. And over the last couple of years, we've seen Brazil step in in the fourth quarter to buy for Safrinia for next year. But we were under the expectation and conclusion that this year, Brazil would back off and ease down in the fourth quarter and wait till the first quarter really to pick up product. But again, this was before the Chinese export restrictions were more concrete than they were about four, five, six weeks ago. So now that they are in place, we have seen Brazil come back to the market. And as you said, Tim, Brazil has been paying you know, $815 for January loading cargo. Brazil has been buying, but again, they've backed off a little bit in the last couple of weeks. So the question over Brazil has been, did Brazil not buy enough on the build up to Safra as to why they're buying now? Or are they just buying a base level to cover them for the early part of Safrinha, which allow them now to back out of the market? Hopefully on their part, if they're being the buyers, see some plateauing, if not softening into map prices over the end of this year into the start of next year to then come back. But the concern is there is if Chinese export restrictions are continuing, if they are worsened, if we see everyone else decide to buy ahead and Brazil doesn't, will they be in even more trouble with even more higher prices next year? So there is that consideration for Brazil. They bought a lot or more than anticipated you know, in, in October. Was that in preparation or to cover a shortfall? And this is something we haven't quite seen yet. And it may be a couple more weeks if Brazil comes back, we know that they're buying ahead of schedule. If they don't come back, they could be playing that waiting game, which could enable a bit of pressure to be taken off map prices in particular. But it's a very, very big decision, I think, really, Brazil has to make. Do they start buying now for next season or do they wait in hope that, you know, with Q1 usually being a low season across several markets and wait then hope that some of the pressure is taken off demand? It's a big question Brazil has to make. But again, record prices for, for that market and seeing that 8.15 for January concluded. Again, another level of pricing that has blown our minds over here in Argus. That, that, is, a, that is a level of pricing that, that is crazy. But the Brazilian buyers and importers' decision is, is really tactical because, like you say, they, you know, do they go now at these prices or risk buying later and paying potentially even more because um, the, uh, the future is not certain in any way. So I, I get that they're not in a straightforward position in any sense. Let's circle geographically up. We should finish up, I think, in the U.S. And the U.S., it has been a, a very interesting market we discussed last time because of the import tariffs that were introduced, which really changed trade flows, of course, from Russia and Morocco into the US, but also they were a, a real boost to domestic US production. How has the US market been influenced by the Chinese export restrictions? Well, I think with the US, as you said, Tim, it's been a really interesting market this year because of the imposition of the duties on Russian and Moroccan imports um, when it comes to phosphates. But obviously, China isn't a supply factor when it comes to the US directly. And it's that indirect impact that I think is the interesting part of it. So the US now is in autumn, if you're in, in the US fall application season. And we saw you know, that, give it two weeks ago, 95% of the requirements were purchased. There was a very comfortable position when it comes to what they had available. But obviously now, when we start considering beyond um, fall and into spring next year, there's going to be heightened competition for what the US has available to them. Obviously, they don't buy Chinese product, they can't buy Russian, and they can't buy Moroccan, or they can, but the duties get in the way of that. They've got to compete for everyone else. 
they've got to compete for the Jordanians, they've got to compete for the Saudis, the Egyptians, you know, the list can go on because China's gone and other people are competing for that too. And the question, it'll be probably next year where we see the real implication on the US as now is, yes, there's a bit of DAP buying going on and yes, DAP prices have picked up a bit, but MAP's been pretty stable. We've seen actually some, some instances prices softening because of the seasonality of the US market. But I think the concerns as well, which are driving the US market is the fact that because of tropical storms and Hurricane Ida a couple of months ago, we've seen mosaics production, particularly at Faustina, be cut because of um, damage from the tropical storms. So domestic production has been you know, curbed. It's been curbed most of this year because of raw material supply concerns because of the COVID situation as well. So the US has to contend with this year having lower domestic production and availability, a lack of Morocco and a lack of Russia, but now also, let's say particularly more so looking into next year, higher competition for the product that is available to them. You know, again, that word diversification has come up and they've turned more to non-traditional suppliers for more product. But other people are going to turn to these guys as well now going forward. Like I said, with Australia, diversification of supply is an option. It really is the most obvious option, but it's not a very easy one for any market. Be you directly impacted being an importer of Chinese product or non-directly impacted like the US is. Thanks for mentioning the the disruption to production from Hurricane Ida. That was a really uh, important development affecting the U.S. market. But I love the way you've explained, you know, the implications. So there's so many knock-on implications from China that aren't just direct. There's all the indirect changes to trade and potential sourcing options. So those are complicated decisions for for importers to make into the U.S. Let's change gear slightly. We love talking about trade and the issues we've been discussing, but Projects are also something we enjoy discussing. I wanted to ask you if you have been looking at any new supply, because these prices will be encouraging projects to be uh, accelerated or even dusted off from the back of the pile. So what are we looking at in terms of new acid production or new processed phosphate production? Can you talk us through uh, any interesting projects you've been looking at? Yep, so this round of analytics, which was published the end of last month, there's two new projects in our, in our base case that we've added. One is in Russia, and that's from Investchem Agro. So they've got a proposed 656,000 DAPMAP NPK plant, which has been added at the moment to our base case, but it's in our possible category, so not in our firm forecast at the minute. And that's because the plant, which is in Karabash, is Going through environmental impact assessment discussions, and I think it's been through three rounds with the public forum so far, the most recent held in April, and there seems to be delaying progress with this project. It was expected to commence operations in 2022, and from an update recently, it's about 20% complete with just construction, but obviously environmental concerns have been or are even more important, if we can even say that, in the last 18 months, and they have been. So this is what's holding this project back, it seems. And that's why at the moment it's possible in our base case, because obviously funding is there and construction has started, but it's not quite over enough of the hurdles yet for us to put it in our firm forecast. But on the acid side, I think for me, most interesting project we've added into the process phosphate analytic is potential of a new FOSS acid plant in Canada, of all places, and where we haven't really seen any pea production for a long time. So this 500,000 P205 tonnes per project has been added, and it is at the moment speculative because it's linked to the actual startup of the Ariane Phosphate Lacopole mine in Quebec. This would be a direct partnership with New Brunswick and the government of New Brunswick and built, if I remember correctly, in Belle Dune. 
So this would directly receive rock from the Lacopole mine for phosphoric acid production. And at the moment, obviously, this is for export being then a pea production on the DAP map you know, side in Canada. But that one is very interesting, as we know, we haven't, as I said, any sort of form of pea production in Canada for a while. And I'll be that integrated link to a directly to um, a rock mine as well. So that one yeah, has been added too. So two for this quarter, which is very exciting and more work for me and the team. Very exciting indeed. Always good to follow some new projects that could affect the supply demand balance. As you say, Canada is, isn't a, a, a location we, we have often, very often see new capacity, and especially getting environmental licenses is, is quite tricky. Do you know if there are concerns about gypsum storage there, or if, is that something that's still got to be uh, decided or announced? I haven't seen anything yet on that project in Canada. I know at the moment, the US, it's been a very hot topic. I've been starting work now on our phosphate rock analytics, which is going to be published this month. And particularly in Florida, there's been a lot of discussion of gypsum and tailing ponds issues. And I know that there's a potential mine in Florida, DeSoto, which is going through a lot of discussion publicly because of those concerns. But at the minute, nothing on the Canada side. We've not got quite that far in the process on that potential mine yet. I'm sure that's something you'll be monitoring closely. Let's finally turn to prices because... You know, I wonder myself whether this firmness can continue. Are we going to see even further records broken in the next month or two? So how do you see the next few months and into the next 12 months in terms of pricing? What's our forecast looking like for the short term? A term that I think people don't use very lightly has been discussed heavily in the market over the last few weeks, and that's demand destruction. The first market we've really started to hear that being spoken about is Europe. There's been numbers put forward that European consumption and demand could drop anywhere between 20% and 50%, depending on which country, because of the prices we're seeing. You know, they've been offered Morocco DAP at 800 FOB, you know, several weeks ago, and that has dissuaded people from buying. So, yes, that is a factor, really, when we look at the coming 12, even three, six months, shall we say more so, that really has to be considered and really is a factor and a very serious discussion that, that is taking place and one that it's something that's not to be used lightly um, as a phrase, but it's one that's definitely there. However, saying that into the end of the year, unless anything changes in China, all of a sudden starts exporting as normal, prices are going to be doing nothing really but firming. And that is because they're still buying to do. India has a deficit, Australia is in its buying season. You know, if Brazil comes back in particular, Europe should really be buying now until April. It is their season until the start of April. So buying is there. The first quarter may be a slightly different story when we look at it. It is, shall we say, a traditionally low season for much of the market. And not only that, but we're used to seeing a lack of Chinese product in the first quarter because it is you know, peak spring applications preparation season for China. And we have the Chinese New Year holiday to factor in, which really can see China quieten down for you know two, three weeks. So that isn't unexpected seeing the restriction in Chinese availability. And we are generally in a bit of a lull in the first quarter. So that's when we could potentially see not you know a dramatic drop in prices, not potentially necessarily a drop at all, but an easing in steeping firming prices and a bit of plateauing because partly general low season and this demand destruction factor is possibly likely to come into play then. But really, you know, looking beyond that. The big question will be, yes, Chinese export restrictions are at the moment officially expected until the 1st of June. But once China has filled its application, its demand domestically for spring application season, will we see exports come back and will we see them come back quicker than June? If we don't, 
there's the big question of Chinese production being cut dramatically because obviously domestic market doesn't want it. Or there is the case that they will push it out earlier and that is what we'll see. And that is the big question then. Personally, I'm of the expectation we will see exports return. Otherwise, there will be consequences for you know, general operations at plants in China. But don't hold me to that to be what the case will be. But still, there is, you know, that basically, you know, when we look at our price forecast, we were expecting a price correction coming into 2022 and definitely continuing in 2023 and 2024 because of the new overall capacity we're expecting. Whereas now that price rise is still expected into 2022 and it will probably necessarily be until end of the second quarter and into the third where we start to see some start of wobble, shall we say, in prices and potentially definitely into the fourth when new capacity comes. And really that price correction now, which we were expecting to start in 2022 as a whole, we're not really expecting in now until 2023. So, and it is all because of these export restrictions in China. China has, I think, the prominence and importance of the Chinese market, which we've always known has been there, has been cemented further over the last you know, sort of six months and even will be continued to be cemented into next year. So yeah, a firmer footing than anticipated for definite into next year and across much of next year. But still that price correction now we are expecting, but we've pushed it back a year. So 2023 is now when we see that solid correction in prices brought by new capacity and hopefully the return to more traditional trade and availability. Yes, I hear you. So the theme is really the price correction we've been expecting to happen early next year is pushed back, you know, almost 12 months by China's changed role in the market and those export restrictions. But I know you'll be watching these developments closely and updating us in your monthly phosphate outlook. So I'll be tracking that with great interest. And um, we'll have you back, Clara, to talk again in a few months' time to unpack what the end of this year and the new year produced in terms of market development and price surges or perhaps just uh, stable prices going into 2022. We've come to the end of our time. So I wanted to say thank you for sharing those thoughts with us. It's been really interesting to just kind of assess the implications of the changes we all know about, but sometimes thinking through how those affect all the markets isn't so straightforward. So we appreciate your uh, your assessment and thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the insights we've been sharing today. If you're a subscriber, of course, please go into Argus Direct and download Argus Process Phosphate Analytics, which was published just recently. You'll be able to get a lot more detailed fundamental data about the issues that Claire has discussed. Also, we have our monthly phosphate outlook, which gives you an update on a more regular basis on the short-term forecast. If you aren't a subscriber, we'd love to have you join our subscriber base by talking to your account manager if you're an Argus customer or going to the Argus Media website. So until next time, we look forward to talking and good luck in your day-to-day trade of this exciting phosphate commodity. Goodbye.